Money FM 89.3, best of drive time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Money of M, 89.3. Good afternoon. It is drive time. Elliot Danker, Timothy Go and Juan Tientian with you. It's time now for In the Spotlight. And generative AI is in the spotlight this afternoon because it has become an integral part of many of our lives, revolutionizing the way we work and the way we interact with technology. The thing is, this term generative AI, it's, it's causing a lot of buzz because of its popularity. Uh, and you've seen it in the form of uh, ChatGPT. And in fact, uh, Elliot, in the past uh, month or so alone, I've been using this extensively to revamp my websites. Yeah. And uh, it's been a great help, especially when you're stuck. You know, when you have that writer's block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you just ask this to do something. It kicks you off into a different uh, direction altogether. Oh. Which gets you to start writing. Mm. Um, this week, you would <laughs> yes. have heard in the news, Apple is trying to develop their own generative AI chatbot to mm-hmm. rival ChatGPT. And it's called AX, Ajax, I don't know. It'll be, it's an American thing, so yeah. maybe Ajax. Probably Ajax, like yeah. the cleaning liquid. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of that too. I was actually thinking of Mr. Clean, I don't know why. But, uh, but close yeah, enough. But, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about this. There's this new survey from Capgemini. Research Institute, and it's revealed that a large proportion of consumers globally trust content that's, well, created by generative AI. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you can't even tell, really, and um, what it is done by AI, what's done by humans. But how extensively, though, are consumers using generative AI application and is this high level of trust in the generative AI misplaced? Let's find out more from Frank Widolowski, who is Executive Vice President Insights and Data APAC for Capgemini. Frank, uh, thanks a lot for taking the time. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much, Timothy and Elliot, for having me on the show today. So I suppose let's start off with generative AI. I mean, we describe it as something like chat GPT, but is there another way to identify other forms of generative AI? How would you put it? So ChatGPT obviously is the popular way everybody's interacting with, with this new technology, but there's plenty of other ways. Generative AI essentially is any place where we're using artificial intelligence to generate some content. So it might be in words, so it could be a poem, it, it could be, you know, as mentioned before, creation of content for a website, mm. but it can also be pictures or artwork. It, it can be video images. It can actually even be 3D designs that you might, you know, push through a 3D printer later on. Mm. So anything that's generating new content, it's a creative uh, technology. So it has become very popular and it has been very helpful to many people, many businesses as well. But can we really rely on generative AI solely as uh, something that is an accurate thing? So as we see in the the research, it's, it's obvious that consumers are trusting in the new technology. I do think we have to be quite balanced and quite cautious. We're finding that the, the mindset around using it as sort of hybrid intelligence, where we're using it to do a first draft, and, and then we ensure that humans are doing second draft and third draft. Mm-hmm. This is the way to go, in my view, right now. So it's more like we are editing what generative AI can do and personalizing it more for our own audiences, for our own purposes. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And as a creative technology, it's a great jump start. 
But I think as humans, we want to be the last mile in actually pushing the content out. Would it be uniform in terms of this trust, like especially here in Singapore? Are we on the bandwagon as much as the rest of the world? So I think in terms of trust, we're seeing a similar uh, view in Singapore versus elsewhere. Okay. What we are seeing is that Singapore is uh, using it more. So I think uh, the rest of the world was coming up at 51%. Singapore is 57%, so slightly faster adaptation in terms of use. I think wow. Singaporeans just work smarter. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. (laughs) But we are also, I mean, I saw an article recently about how uh, a news network used ChatGPT to ask it to write about a certain topic the way this news network writes it, and it did produce exactly how it should be, except some of the facts are not accurate. Mm. Is this something that we should be worried about, though, when it comes to facts? We We still need to fact check everything. No, without a doubt. And, and admittedly, I think there's a, a sort of rush to jump on the bandwagon and, mm-hmm. and to use it in many different places. We're advocating quite a cautious approach. While, while it is transformational and, and it will cause quite a bit of disruption, we are really advocates that you've got to invest the time to train the model. You've got to take the models that are publicly available and ensure that you're using your own content to drive finesse to them. Because these types of mistakes that you use in your example, you know, obviously these things have to get trained out of the system for them to be most effective. So how do we train the model to be more yeah, so, effective for our own purposes? Yeah, so training a model is very much around, you know, giving it more data, giving it more content. And, and for example, if a large language model is used to generate you know, a poem or or words in standard English speaking, but then you're trying to, you know, write a document, say, in a a legal profession, and you have a lot of terminology and ways of writing that are specific to the legal industry, you would need to actually use examples of content from that space. So you need to actually use that additional layer to train it for your purpose. Okay. You know, every time we talk about these things, I I wish I had this when I was in my 20s. I'd use it to write poems for the girls that I was going after, you know. (laughs) It would have taken us to a different career trajectory. For sure. Actually, Frank, I'm curious. How can I misuse generative AI? Look, this is one of the challenges with the technology is that it, it does make it it does make it a lot more accessible for, for misuse. I mean, the reality is, is people can, you know, use the tool as, you know, the, the popular new phrases around prompt engineering in terms of using the tool to generate the content you want it to generate. But you can get it, you, you can steer it to like you described before, stories where you get it to mention, you know, things that might not have occurred or factual information that are wrong. You can do this with the tool. And again, we have to, you know, as a society, build safeguards, build the guardrails around the technology. We have to have proper policy from government. And I know Singapore is forward leading on this. We also, as technologists, have to ensure that we're you know, putting in the right types of systems with the right types of ethical checks the right type of responsible AI focus. This is our responsibility as we go through this transformative stage of of the technology. All right, you you brought it up about uh, government regulation of AI. Frank, China recently published new rules as well to sort of regulate the AI industry there. What are your thoughts on this? Um, Doesn't regulating something so new and innovative prevent it from growing further and faster? So 
Well, we see governments around the world that are passing some type of policy or legislation. We think this is important. We do think there has to be some level of guidance, some level of guardrails put around the new technology. I do agree with the view that we can't be too restrictive to, you know, squash out innovation, but we do have to be careful and we have to be agile and quick because there has to be, you know, regular change. I mean, heck, six months ago, this technology was hardly known and now it's the talk everywhere. So the speed at which this is changing is going to require an agility in both policy as well as technology development. To add on to that, Frank, how does Capgemini come into play? How does it help, say, your clients? How do you help them you know, adapt with this uh, generative AI to use it to the best benefit of the business? Yeah, so, so we're, we're very excited about this technology. We think it's going to really unleash a human potential around creativity that we haven't seen before. We believe it's going to help our customers. We believe it will help government enterprises, uh, especially in areas around stronger interactions with uh, customers, stronger interactions with citizens, better content, more creative ways of doing business. We, we believe it will be very transformative, and we think, think it will really unleash the power of humans to do bigger and better things. Uh, we think it's going to be a real uh, important force over the coming years. All right, then. We've been speaking with Frank Windolowski, who is Executive Vice President, Insights and Data for APEC at Capgemini. Frank, thank you so much for your time today. You take care and have a great weekend ahead, yeah? Thank you so much. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.